Hello and welcome to the preview for Real Madrid versus Celtic in the Champions League, the final group match of the campaign, 5.45 kickoff. I'm your host, Christopher Gallagher, and I'm joined by Christian Wolf. Hello, my good friend, Christian. How are you? Hello, I'm good. I'm going to bring the energy to this preview. I can tell already. Yes. You, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, we, we literally just said before we started recording, I am the person who kind of doesn't want this game to take place. Uh, we spoke on the agenda. Alan was saying, come on, it's a game in the Champions League against Real Madrid. What do you not want? You know, and I, I get that point. Uh, and I really do. And I really get the idea that, you know, you know, be playing on the, the biggest club international stage is obviously fantastic against one of the biggest clubs in the world. But Christian, I'll be honest with you. I'm worried we're going to get a doing. I'll be honest, I am a little bit worried we're going to get a doing. Please tell me that won't happen. Celtic will definitely, probably, likely not get a doing, Christopher. So get up for it. Yeah, you know, sure. it's, it's the burnabout. Yes, the burnabout. Words that have haunted my dreams for the last <laughs> week and a half. Um, nah, right, okay, so... Um, I mean, I'm 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 slightly joking, uh, slightly true, <laughs> slightly joking. Um, obviously, this is, is a game that, um, in regards to you know, we we can't go any further in the Champions League. We've got two points. It would be genuinely would be a, a great achievement to get something from this game. Um, how before we kind of break down into kind of specifics, uh, like what are you what what do you think Celtic and Ange can potentially learn from this game? Because it's a bit of a, an in between sort of sort of one. Well, tell you what, before, before I get to that, I have a little factoid for you. I've done some factoid research uh, this morning. It's because he's obviously, she says Celtic uh, don't have anything to play for other than not get a doing, uh, according to you, for this game. But let me take a little trip back memory lane. If you know, obviously you, you had the Celtic, uh, Sunday Chronicles at the weekend about the 12 13 campaign. Yep. When Celtic obviously had. A lot to play for in the, in the last game. But in the 10 seasons after that, Christopher, um, Celtic's been in European group stage every season. And so 10 seasons, the last 10 seasons, five times, including um, tomorrow or today, uh, depending on when you listen to this, Celtic's already been knocked out. Really? Already been knocked out. So no, already been knocked out. And three other times, it also didn't matter. Because they either uh, already qualified for the Europa League, and if they couldn't, or they qualified for the next round of Champions League, and they couldn't get first place, or they couldn't lose first place in that league. So, eight out of the last ten group stage matches, the last game has had no significance at all. So, something is used to this. You know what we're used to this. Uh, the two that uh, did count uh, was, of course, both under Brendan Rodgers. They lost one nil to Anderlecht. In the last game, went through. And season after, we lost 2-0 to Red Bull Salzburg. It still went through, thanks to uh, Eric Hughes and yes. uh, strapping lad in the Rosenberg uh, defensive line. So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of it's kind of been the norm that yeah. this last game in, in the group stage hasn't mattered. So, But I do think it is different. Like, looking at the couple of last... Okay, you have the last few years, last game, Betis... Ren was a little one of them, but then the year before that, Kloosh as well. The obvious difference with all that is that is the Bernabeu, right? And it is Real Madrid and it is Champions League, and you're playing maybe the most famous team in the world. So for those players, for the manager, obviously there comes the prestige with just being there and doing it. And obviously, yeah, they wanted something to play for, 
but I, I think it is an experience. It's it's a personal experience, personal highlight for those players. But in a sense that it, it I think it does something in terms of your development and your maybe your motivations and so on. So. It, you can go and test yourself. I think that's, if you talk about what's useful, Celtic can go and test himself against the Real Madrid team in Bernabeu. They do have something to play for, yeah. which we were kind of hoping before this that they weren't going to have anything to play for in the last game. Now that Celtic doesn't have anything to play for, I think it's probably helped Celtic a lot that Real Madrid do have something to play for because they probably have to win. They probably have to win. So I think that's a nice element. It, it That means it doesn't become a friendly in any sort of way. And it's not just like, you know, look at this, we're in Madrid playing. This is great. This, like, you, I think to come an additional unconscious mental focus into this when Real Madrid have to actually have something to play for. So I, I think that will help Celtic in measuring themselves against Real Madrid and how far they've come, even with essentially no pressure uh, on themselves. Okay, I, I've got a question for you, and this is coming from the tactics talks we've done over the last couple of weeks, right? You said about Shakhtar the other week, about how when they're at home, they're they're similar to Celtic in a lot of ways because they kind of play on the front foot um, and they kind of, you know, maybe have a little bit more possession and such. And then when they come into the Champions League, they, you know, maybe secede um, possession and play with a deeper line and it's all about, you know, Mudrik and stuff and, you know, breaking and that. Why can't we do that? Why shouldn't we do that? Like, if they can go to Real Madrid and play Real Madrid twice... And by the way, this is a hypothetical. I'm not saying we should do that. Of course, I'm not. It sounds like you're saying that. It sounds <laughs> like you're saying that. But I just mean like um, we always talk about and we have always talked about uh, ever since, you know, Martin O'Neill and even before that, Tommy Burns and stuff about how the step up from uh, Scottish domestic football to European football is really, really big. And that idea that you can't um, play one way on the Saturday and play a different way on the Wednesday. But if... I don't. I just don't know why how Shakhtar can do that, and and we can't because they've taken Real Madrid close twice. They've beaten Leipzig. Okay, we we drew them drew with them twice, but you know, I, I I'm just it comes into the existential crisis. Maybe we're all kind of having a little bit, uh, and this is more just a, a talking point rather than a, an overall. Uh, why does it work for them and it, and it couldn't have worked for us? Sounds more like a middle age crisis. Do you want me to, Christopher? Wow, well, that's <laughs> thanks very much. Just done for. Don't worry, I, I, I bet I've been through mine. Uh, no, so in in I guess typical fashion, I got I got this this three parts to my answer to this. Okay, uh, which is not many compared to me. So <laughs> for you, that's the, you. <laughs> the, the first thing is, have you seen Shakhtar's XG, mate? You know that is a, you know those guys are lucky, right? You know Celtics XG, whoo, much better. So that's partly. Uh, Oh, we joked about it, but it's partly serious as well in terms that Shakhtar has played a certain way and it's given them results, but they have also, they are riding a lock up, riding a wave of slightly luck as well in that they have created the least chances in this league and in this group stages, they've um, conceded the most, but they've had the moments in those games that have given them enough points to, you know, they're just a win at home. Um, away from the last 16 now. So they put them in a good position, but as also Celtic have created more chances and, 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 and consider a lot less. So overall Celtic's underlying performances, if you want to strip it down to that, have been better than Shakhtar's. Now, 
in a five game sample so far, it's individual moments, individual errors that will in the individual moments of brilliance that will and and luck that will have a much bigger impact on the results rather than if you're playing this over a full season. I think I said before, if if, if you're playing each team here six times and Shakhtar play this way through the whole, you know, how many games are there? 36 games. I think they'd be bottom and Celtic be above them. But so so that's one thing. The other thing is, why can't Celtic do that? Because they're not set up to do it, essentially, because you you have a team playing a certain way. And I guess it comes into the manager's philosophy. This is a manager who yeah, yeah. you do have it. So, but if if Celtic, I think I don't know Shakhtar's training regime, but you you presume there's a certain element of a lot more tactical coaching around. Okay, we're going to sit deep, and we're going to play a certain way here, and we're going to change it up a lot more. So you, I can imagine there's a lot more tactical focus, a drilled drills, and you know training and set up and training to. To look at that so it's some more coaching so if that's your plan from the start of the season to really vary that you know you, you could do that but then you say just because Shakhtar is so close to getting to the last 16 is it the right thing to do for Celtic you know um, but you couldn't just do it now because there's no point trying to play this way all through the season and suddenly doing it for the last match yeah, yeah you have to come prepare for it but yeah it's so but then I- the last point Christopher which I think hopefully you'd be interested in uh, if you stay with me this long, is that I do think there is an element there of moderating your play somewhat. And I don't think it's the right thing for Celtic to do the big change that Shakhtar do in terms of going that deep, essentially just, Chakta just wants to hit you as quick as possible on the transitions and the counterattacks. You know, they're not, they have very set, you know, like it's like the goal kicks, you know, they were very set routines and they wanted to get off the pitch a certain manner, whereas Celtic wants to dominate the ball a lot more. But I think there's there's a, there's aspects within the way Celtic have set up in Europe in the Champions League this season. And we've gone through this a lot of time on different pods, but for me, specifically how Celtic are defensively against in their organized defense when they set up in that two strikers four behind them for defense and they try to stop the other team from playing out and i think celtic at times have been a bit naive in how aggressive they've been in that press because what's happened numerous examples on different podcasts we don't have to go over them is that what works for celtic being that aggressive and that high defensively domestically is that in want of a better phrase, domestic teams just kind of shites themselves a bit when Celtic press them high. And then they just, you know, it works. You're not going to get that in Europe because teams will just probe. They'll try and pass around you. So if your press isn't perfectly spot on, they'll, they'll catch you out. And I think Celtic's been too aggressive. I think the individual decisions in depressing especially the front two at times but also the wingers and the midfielders we talked about this you know compressing space and the front line pressing high but the defensive line going oh i'm not sure about that so for me if you're talking about how should celtic change their approach from domestic to europe i think it's specifically here i think they should have moderated themselves a bit more and maybe pressing not as high i've still you still put the press in 
say halfway into the opposition's half, but you keep less space between your um, lines. Your main concern for the front two is make sure the pivots behind you, the defensive midfielders, don't get on the ball that easily and can turn. Whereas they've kind of been go, go, go a lot in, in the Champions League as well. And I don't think Celtic is the players are drilled enough to do that press effectively, especially that high press. Because uh, so if you're talking about should Celtic change something like Shakhtar does, I think they should change some things to a lot less degree than Shakhtar. But I think Celtic's organized press has been a bit naive. And what works domestically hasn't worked in Europe at all. Uh, good points. And again, we'll probably have a kind of overview of, of the European campaign uh, maybe over the break. Um, so Celtic go to the Bernabeu. As you mentioned, Real Madrid have something to play for, which, uh, as you said, I think probably gives a, a bit of edge to this game. Um, what do you think? How? Do you, I mean, Celtic are going to set up how Celtic set up. Um, it's going to be that kind of, well, tell me how Celtic are going to set up. Oh, this is interesting because I think I'm just going to go with his best possible team. I, I don't think he's resting anybody here. So I think if he'll, I reckon he'll play the same team as he would have if, you know, Celtic was still in this. Yeah. Um. So, but, but that's the, you know, that's the only kind of question mark you maybe would have before. Is he going to rest him? I don't think. And if it's not, you're probably looking at the same. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be any surprises here. I think you're going to have the two centre-backs who's, you know, fit. <laughs> Essentially, it's the same one. You'll play Taylor and Juranovic. And I think I don't think he's going to change up Matt O'Reilly in the six now. So uh, I think he's going to play pretty much how he, how he always plays in that 4-3-3. As in, I think, as Ange says, the, the, the system differences and moderations comes in who he puts where and that what they bring to that role. So again, it would that means uh, a Moy or Haksabanovic in the eighth because they're very different players. Doesn't mean Abada Mayeda maybe because they're also very different players and they bring different things. And I, I guess then you know the Kyogo Gigi experiment together. I, I doubt that we're going to see that again. So again, you go okay. Who, who do you pick? You know, if you pick Gigi, okay, that's you will get a different output in certain areas than, than Kyogo and, and vice versa. So I think the system is roughly the same and he'll try and roughly play the same way. But it's, you know, it's who you put into those kind of roles. So I don't think you're going to see any changes to what Ange usually does. And I think, I think in a way, this is kind of like a free hit. I know you don't want the hammering, but I think it is sensible that he goes out and asks his players to do the same things because there's no pressure on them, but they will place a Real Madrid team that needs to do something. So it's it's a good test and it's 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 a safe learning experience environment, Christopher. Unless they get a do. Yeah. Um. And see, in regards to obviously, we we when we did the previous uh, Real Madrid uh, preview podcast, essentially what was kind of defined was that Real Madrid will solve problems on the pitch in a very yeah. in, a, in a very vibesy sort of way. Um, is that? Just I mean, go- excellent vibes though. Oh yeah, I, top, top top tier vibes. If if you yeah. want someone someone's vibes, vibes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you want Modric's vibes. Um, do do you think that that will just be the same as as pair? Will there be any sort of Will they play any differently because they're at home or because they've got something to play for? Will we have less of the ball or more of the ball, do you think? Will they give us the ball and then hit us in the counter-attack? Or what do you think it'll play out like? I I think you will see two teams that just wants to keep the ball. 
But I think with Real Madrid, I I think you kind of saw this at home as well, that they're not like, not that they're not too bothered with depressing, but they're not like a Leipzig, you know, that's going to chase you down and you'll create chaos all over. You know, they're they're very good individually. They, they are good as a team as well. But you you can keep, I think you, you can keep the ball against them. Right, we saw that as well. You know, they're. I think because they're so good at the ball and they have so good individual players, they just trust themselves to. You know, they're going to get the ball back, and when they get the ball back, you're not going to get to bore it for a while because because we're going to keep it. And but within that, it's not like they're completely vibesy, right? Uh, but the, so so they have certain set patterns. It's like they, they have lots of movement within that. You know, so. If you see when they build up, for example, okay, the two center backs is central, but you see the fullbacks pushes all the way up out wide. Then you kind of got the those three in the middle, uh, Cruz and Modric, you should, you know, um, two of them. Kamawinga is, is the other one played in the last game. And two of those was usually stay in the middle. One may maybe come up a bit as a bit of movement, but it's it's the movement is very much from the, the wingers and the striker. So, okay, I know Benzema is not playing, but the wingers, one will start out wide, he'll come in, the other one will start centrally, he'll go out, the, the striker will move across, and then within that, the fullbacks will also move. So you often see a fullback coming in, the winger going wide, uh, for example, and, and vice versa. So there's a lot of movements, especially from the strikers and, and the wingers that, and it's good movement, but the other thing is because you got especially Cruz and Modric on, on the ball, and when you have then movement and you got those guys pinging balls, like it's just you don't have to. I guess if you have Pep Guardiola there, he'll put it on the system, but Ramos is kind of just you know, we have all these great players, and you know, they're so smart on the ball, it's just got you know, here's, here's a rough system, you just go and play, you know. So, but then again, Real Madrid can, in other sense, if, if they need to kind of. I cannot tough it out or if they need to be compact and so on, they have the intelligence to do that. You know, just go look at the Champions League final in terms of, you know, they had people had lots more possession, but they can be hard to break down in those in those areas. And once they get the ball, they keep it. So it, I think overall, this is going to sound stupid, but Real Madrid at the Bernabeu is, in a way, maybe suits Celtic slightly better than, say, Leipzig away. Or even Leipzig at home because it's it's two different, completely different challenges. And, and Real Madrid sort of, even though they got a lot of better players, kind of allow Celtic to do a bit more what Celtic are, are good at, which is keeping the ball. Yeah, um, obviously the, the first game was you know a really good performance, and you know we've we've used the phrase fine margins throughout, but it really was you know Celtic maybe ran out of steam a little bit as well, um, just with how how they were playing, which is again understandable. What can we do differently? I mean, is it going to be is it going to be just more of the same? Uh, you know, and I and I don't mean that like negatively i understand the system i understand the the philosophy i i, I do get that we're, we're not there yet in regards to you know certain players being able to play for the for the whole time and stuff i get that um maybe not having the options off the bench that he'd like but will it just be more of the same will he make that three tier substitution at 65 minutes you know do you think he'll do anything differently from the first game i think the, the really interesting thing with when we looked at 
you know, like into the debrief for the Real Madrid game, is the amount of time the ball was simply in play. Right? It was Real Madrid held the ball for almost forty-five minutes in terms of the ball was in play. Yeah, and that that's a ridiculous amount of of time that you have forty-five minutes. The other team have the ball on the pitch, and in terms of the movement you have to do then. So uh, Real Madrid Celtic had the ball was in place 70 minutes, right? And if you looked at, for example, um, Real Madrid went to Leipzig, the ball was in play for 53 minutes. Right? It's a completely different game. So if you talk about what the reason why I think Real Madrid just were too much for Celtic other than being you know, really good, is that they had the ball for so long and, and so long. So it, it, it just grind them down. It's just that change from Celtic having the ball so much um, domestically. But even domestically, there's a lot of stoppage in play, right? Because the ball go out. You have the other team, uh, you know, domestic teams. They go on. It's a stoppage in play. They use time. Whereas because Celtic tried to hold the ball and Real Madrid tried to hold the ball, the ball wasn't played so much. I think that really impacted the, the stamina of the Celtic players. So it sounds blindingly obvious, but the more you can keep the ball against Real Madrid, I think is better in terms of how long you can last it, the stamina of it, because you know Real Madrid will not waste possession. Right, so you won't get all those breaks. They'll try and keep you occupied and, and move you around. So I think Celtic need to keep the ball offensively. You know, they, these things about you know, being doing safe things and going along and not playing out from the back. I think it's, I think it overall be counterproductive. Then Celtic need to keep the ball one to create, but also just not to let Real Madrid have it. Cause if they have it, you're going to get tired. And I think the other part they need to do for me is to talk about that front press. You just, there's another way of kind of saving energy as well. Don't let Cruz, Modric, whoever plays, you know, in, in those midfield, don't get the, don't let them get the ball easily. And by that means, don't don't full pelt run out of centre back and keep goalkeeper and, and keep doing that. Because to be honest, they they're gonna be resistant to that press. They're gonna ping it around you. Keep a little, you know, stay a bit deeper. It's, I'm not talking going into your own half and press. Stay more compact and save energy those way that way as well because you will go you know and that doesn't mean don't press aggressively just pick your moments on when you do that and do it when the team is more compact and and save energy that way so i, I think that's when it comes back we talked about front press being naive it's a little bit naive because it's in those situations if you don't do it properly it's dangerous but also a bit naive because you're wasting energy me and graham talked about this on, on the review last night in terms of kyogo and, and Gigi especially you know Gigi has a limited amount of energy and resources. You know, that's yeah. just not his game. He doesn't have that. So he, if he plays, he needs to use that smartly. His runs should be to cover the Tony, Tony Cruz behind him rather than the run at one of the centre-backs because he, he's not going to be able to run back again. So it's just keep the ball. You have to do that. But be, just be a bit smarter in the press. Easier said than done. Easier said. I just mean, be a bit smarter. Yeah, yeah. make lads. sure make sure Modric yeah. and Cruz don't, don't get stupid. the ball. <laughs> Use your energy on <laughs> focus on them not getting the ball, not chase Courtois. You know. So. Um. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, 
it's going to be an occasion, one way or the other, genuinely. And I think, you know, this is something that Ange, I'm sure, when he saw the, the fixtures and the draw, he was making a big kind of beeline for with his kind of history with um, Puskas and stuff. So um, I'm sure he'll be really pressing on the players what he wants from them. Um, any kind of final points about the match overall, Christian? No, I, I, as I say, I, yeah, Real Madrid can go and put four or five beside you. I honestly think that. But if they've done that, I honestly think Celtic haven't done their job because this is a team, you, you, you saw this at a Celtic Prize. You can keep the ball against them. And by just kind of not being too aggressive, too high up, just keep your distance between the lines. Uh, I think this is a, you know, I said before, I think it suits Celtic slightly better than a Leipzig, uh, or even, even a, a Shakhtar in terms of how they just so eager on the counter hacks and transitions. So, no, it's don't be stupid in the press and just keep the ball. Yeah, easy. Yeah, put that on the board. Yeah, easy peasy. Christian Wolf, pleasure as always, sir. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Hi, Ange. Um, I'm just wondering what the squad's looking like, what the mood is going into tomorrow? Um, yeah, squad-wise, um, from the weekend, just uh, Cameron Cardovic has uh, pulled up a bit sore after the game on uh, Sunday or whenever it was. Um, yeah, the artificial pitch wasn't great for him, so we've left him at home. Um, everyone else apart from uh, Callum, obviously, is out, uh, is fit and available, and um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. You've seen enough in the, the game against Madrid and Glasgow to give you some confidence that you can get something here tomorrow. I think you know the, the whole Champions League campaign for us has um, you know has been a, a great sort of um, you know process in us understanding you know what we can bring to these games and and you know the areas we keep we need to keep improving. I think. Uh, in every game we've had our moments and, and when we've had our moments we haven't taken them but most of the time that's come we've played our football and um, you know, we also know that when the opposition have their moments at this level they can punish you and um, you know, I think this whole sort of campaign for us has been one where you know, we understand exactly sort of the areas that you know, we can make an impact but also the areas where you know, we have to be wary of. In general, having spoken to a number of the fans in the city today, what a lot of them said was, look, we've really enjoyed the campaign. We think we've seen enough to give us hope uh, going into to next year. I wonder for clubs like Celtic, though, how they can, if possible, try to cut that gap between clubs like yourselves and these so-called super clubs. Yeah, I think the first part of it is, you know, like you said, to, to make sure we're here next year. Um, you know, what we can't do as a club our size is sort of qualify for this tournament every three or four years or five years I think you can't really gain any traction or make any sort of progress <clears throat> with that sort of absence because part of competing at this level is just the experience of competing at, I mean, we've seen it you know even with a you know a club like Shakhtar <clears throat> you know they've consistently been in Champions League so their players are exposed to it year in year out and you know for our, our players most of them um, this is their first sort of you know, understanding of what it takes to play at this level now <clears throat> for us to make progress and it's not going to be massive progress but I think you can chip away at it I really believe that I think and you've seen it with other clubs at different times um, and with clubs 
our size, I think it's a matter of being consistently playing at this level, sort of having a real kind of belief in, in your football. And I think eventually what happens is you, you kind of hit a sweet spot where things go your way and you do need things to go your way. Um, and, you know, your football's good and there's real belief in the group and experience. And, and, you know, in any given year you can make an impact. But I don't think it's a linear thing. I don't think every year you improve, you get close enough for a club like ours. It's just you've got to be in there every year knocking on the door and, and eventually you'll get, you know, you'll get the response you want. And you've uh, mentioned time and again that uh, you want Celtic to be regularly in this tournament. How much has this whetted your appetite to try and prove yourself as a manager and the excitement of this tournament? I don't have to prove myself as a manager. I, I, I do this because I think this football club deserves to be at this level. And, and what this year's you know, given me the motivation and appetite is to make sure that we're here every year and, and, and make an impact because I think that's where the, the football club deserves to be. You know, you know yourself, you know, we get 60,000 in every game. You know, we, we, we've got an unbelievable stadium with that creates the most unique of, um, you know, um, atmospheres and a club of our size um, deserves to be playing at this level. So that's where the motivation lies. And, and I want our football club, this football club, to make an impact. It's not about me. Um, I don't need to prove myself to anybody or anyone. I'm quite comfortable in, in the kind of manager I am, but I also know that I have a responsibility you know, with this football club to make sure that it, it takes its rightful place amongst the best football clubs in the world. What have, what have you learned as, as a manager from this Champions League experience? Nothing I didn't know. It's a tough competition. It's, um, you know, it's a competition where it's relentless and unforgiving, um, but we knew that going into it. The key for us was how we are going to measure where we were with that. And like I said, you can go out there and sort of fight for your survival and fear the consequences or you can be brave and, and try and really test yourself and that's I think what we've done and that's given me then the ability to see the areas we've come short in, the areas we need to keep improving and I think that's the key for us it's not it's not about um, just about the outcomes obviously that's what you get measured on <coughs> the results but for me it's, it's well okay if we want to be a football club that makes an impact what are the areas we need to improve in in the areas we need to keep chipping away at and as I said I think in every game we've we've really sort of measured ourselves against the best by playing our football um, so for me the learnings are in the fact that we've been able to to stick true to who we want to be as a club and not sort of react or, or sort of fear as I said consequences of, of results because of the the level of competition we're at Japan World Cup squad was released today. Dyson is in it. Kyogo and Rio aren't. Do you feel for those two a bit, just given how well they've performed for Celtic since they joined the club? Yeah, obviously I do because, you know, again, a World Cup is, you know, for any footballer, I mean, I was fortunate enough to, to obviously you know, be a manager at a football at a World Cup. It's it's one of those tournaments where I'm sure that, um, you know, for every football, club, football player, um, it's a dream of theirs to, to get there and, I think they both you know, would have been very close to getting in, particularly Kyogo, um, and you know, disappointed for them because um, you know Rio's probably got another maybe one or two cycles of World Cups to, to potentially go to. But with Kyogo, you know, at his age, I think he's still got one in him because he's still I still think he's young. But um, you know, you, you want to take these opportunities, so disappointed for them. But <clears throat> you know, both of them are really strong characters. I know that you know they'll. They'll, they'll take it in the right way and, and it'll motivate them to make sure that 
yeah, they continue to, to play their football to the best of their ability at our football club and, and these opportunities will come again. You've also been linked with UK Kobayashi for a potential move in January. Is there anything you can tell us on that? And is the Japanese market something you'll be looking at again in January? Yeah, we've gone early on the January market, haven't we? It's just into November, so I've got a lot of talking about that. Uh, look, as I've said before, we're, we've got a strategy in place which we're, you know, which I'm really <coughs> you know, comfortable with in terms of making sure that we're always looking to improve our squad, looking to you know, improve the way we do things. You know, we take away you know, the experiences we've had at Champions League level, at domestic level, and how can we be better? And every window gives you that opportunity. So, you know, we've had some plans in place for January for a while now, and you know, hopefully over the sort of next uh, you know, few weeks we'll be able to sort of conclude some of that. And you know, the whole idea is to make um, you know, this squad stronger for, for the second half of the year and beyond.